You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, February the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Mark Smith going over a hymn that we are not going to play because it is so familiar. A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It was written by Martin Luther sometime between 1527 and 1529. That was a period that saw an epidemic hit Wittenberg and a serious illness befell Martin Luther, although he recovered from it. During that time, Turkish forces threatened the German borders and there were further threats from Roman Catholic armies and theological attacks from both Roman Catholics and more radical Protestants. Now, the hymn is often called the Battle Hymn of the Reformation, but in Luther's day, it was thought of in different terms, as can be seen from the heading on an Augsburg broadsheet of 1529, a hymn of comfort, something that was sorely needed at that time. The hymn retained this designation, a hymn of comfort, until at least the middle of the 17th century, at which time Lutheran hymnals took their versified psalms which were traditionally placed together in a separate section of their own and separated them into various topical categories. The placement of this hymn in a section dealing with the church and the word of God made it easier to think of it as a polemical hymn. The hymn was often translated into English, but the translation most frequently found was that of Thomas Carlyle's in the 1831 text, A Safe Stronghold, Our God is Still, well known in Britain. And then you have Frederick H. Hedges' Verges beginning a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. That's more popular in America. The Missouri Synod has historically used neither, but rather a translation from the 1868 church book of the General Council, a theologically conservative Lutheran body. In some ways, this translation, which is hymn 656, stays quite close to the German. It is sanctified by long use in the city, synod, with many church members having memorized it. It is set to Luther's original version of the tune and the translation from LBW, hymn 657, 
was introduced to the Missouri Synod in 1982. So this is the hymn we're going to be looking at. I don't think we did it for Reformation, but it is for this first Sunday in Lent. Do you have an explanation, Pastor Mark Smith, of why they've chosen this for the first Sunday in Lent? I do not know, Tom. Uh, let's see, I'm thinking usually usually the uh, lessons of the gospel yes. for the first Sunday in Lent is usually uh, Christ's temptation, is it not? It's three things. It's, first of all, his baptism by John the Baptizer with God the Father saying, you are my beloved sin with you, I am well pleased. Okay. Then the second part is the Holy Spirit immediately drove Jesus into the wilderness okay. for 40 days. And then the third part of the gospel, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Those are the two things that Jesus spoke of with John the baptizer, of course, doing the first, a baptism of repentance, and then belief in the gospel. Now the My Old Testament reading from Genesis 22 is Abraham being told to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Well, those are all appropriate, uh, very appropriate lessons. You know, I think of Jesus uh, heading out into the wilderness and, and undergoing all those temptations of the devil. Uh, that certainly, uh, you know, uh, reminds us that our God is a mighty fortress. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure that having gone gone through all those temptations, he was anxious to commune with his dear Heavenly Father quickly. Yes. And it, doesn't it say that the angels ministered to him after all those temptations? But not in this text. That's in okay. a different gospel. Okay. I love this no, no, hymn. I don't, I don't know of any Lutherans that don't like this hymn. Uh, I've often thought... I don't, you know, if I ever had the opportunity to help a congregation uh, uh, as a congregation was beginning and, and establishing a name for itself, I've often thought a neat name for a new Lutheran church would be Mighty Fortress Lutheran Church. Are there any that you know of like that? I don't know of any. I do not know of any uh, churches so named. Yeah, that is a good name. A Mighty Fortress. Um, it's taken from what psalm? Uh, psalm 46. Exactly. Which I find uh, surprising because it is at the bottom of the page of this hymnal. But it isn't verse by verse. No. He gives a Christian interpretation of the entire psalm. Something that Calvin would never do. Calvin only sung the Psalms if they were an exact translation of them. 
right. Luther interpreted them from a Christian point of view. A mighty fortress is our God. I, I love the playing by the organ too when it is done. Yes, and uh, of course this is a, this is the hymn. Uh, as you say, it's it's kind of it's considered the battle hymn of the Reformation. We always stand for this hymn. I think. <laughs> I, I think it's happened to me as a young pastor where I was so preoccupied with my thoughts for the sermon that uh, I'll look out and I'll see the whole congregation is standing and I'm the only one that's sitting. <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. ever happened to you. <laughs> well, it did happen for another hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Yes. <laughs> I'm sitting there all standing. <laughs> And a lot of them are now standing when you see the triangle. What does that mean? Oh, that's a, that means it's a doxological stanza, and it's speaking of all the Trinity, and we always stand for those. Yep. And uh, now this one isn't doxological, and it talks about the devil, which he isn't mentioned in Psalm 46. But no, but uh, well, you know, I'm reminded of that verse. I think isn't it Peter that talks about the devil is like a roaring lion roaming about yes. seeking someone to devour? Yes, this is the Christian interpretation of this psalm, right? And I never realized that it was originally not the battle hymn of the Reformation, but a psalm of comfort. Yes. Re remember how I do every sermon? I have two parts to it. The one is telling them some theological information that they are unaware of. And the second is always to leave them with a note of comfort. Yeah. Well, you think about it this way, Tom. Think about a mighty fortress. That's a defensive. That's a defense. It's not an offensive uh uh, implement, but it's a defensive. It's it's a we we resort to it in time of attack, and we we derive great comfort and defense from it. It's not really uh, a, a castle or a fortress is not really for offense, but defense. That's a very good point you're making, and it really fits in with the Old Testament reading. Because Abraham was ready to kill Isaac when God told him not to. And he found a ram that was caught in a thicker by his horns. And here's how this text ends. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And so to this day, it says in the text, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And that's what a fortress does, does it not? It provides you with safety and comfort. Yes. Yeah, Go that's, ahead. A great, that's a great story. Uh, the, the Old Testament reading it, such a wonderful story there. Yes, many, many points. Yeah. Uh, the most important point I had never realized until going over it about two years ago was Abraham leaves the two men 
at the bottom of the mountain and climbs up with Isaac, but tells them, yes. we shall return to you. Yes, that's an old, that's an often overlooked part. He, he, he knew that one way or another, if God had to raise his son from the dead, uh, you know, he was supposed to make a burnt sacrifice of his son Isaac. And yet he knew one way or the other, God was going to raise his son from the dead if he had to, and they would both return to him. And that's verified in the, uh, in the New Testament. The book of Hebrews. Yes. And it says... Why did Abraham know that God could raise him from the dead? Because he was conceived from the dead womb. Yes, right, right. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Talk about faith. Okay, read stanza one, please. Okay. A mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. He helps us free from every need that hath us now foretaken or taken. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms in fight. On earth is not his equal. Now, what does that mean on earth is not his equal? I thought Jesus was on earth. Well, I think it's speaking of, uh, you know, if it weren't for Jesus, we would be lost. I mean, there's, there's nobody on yes. earth, there's nobody on earth other than Christ, of course, that can stand up to the devil. He's so mighty in power. Exactly. And, and that's why the verse really helps us free from every need that hath us now or taken. See, that's the point of every sermon. The pastor knows his congregation after a number of years, and he knows the needs they have. And every congregation is a little different. The needs of an older congregation with few children would have different needs than a starting congregation that may have 20 or 30 children in the Sunday school yeah, and in the right. church. Those needs would be different. So, this is that first stanza. I'll read the second stanza. Okay. With might of ours cannot be done, soon were our loss effected. But for us fights the valiant one whom God himself elected. Ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is of Sabaoth Lord and there's none other God he holds the fields forever wow you got to look at this a little closer where it says there's none other God isn't the Father and the Holy Spirit another God uh, I think I think you answer that by saying Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Yep. There is only one God. Three persons. Three persons, but one God. Yeah. And so Jesus is God. There is no other God besides the Holy Spirit. 
the Father and the Son, one God. Yeah, and you know, Tom, it's I can I can hardly finish that that stanza, that second stanza. He holds the field forever without without recalling at least. Well, uh, we're in the uh, we're in the afterglow of the Super Bowl. When we think of super, uh, when we think of football, uh, holding the field, uh, keeping the keeping the foe at bay. That's what God is. Did you watch the game? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did not. Yeah, it was but it wasn't game. until two days later I asked Louise who even won. <laughs> well. I, sometimes I'm that way myself, but uh, I guess I had a vested interest in this one. Oh, why is that? Oh, I don't know. It's uh, you know uh, the Chiefs. I still consider the Chiefs our uh, our team, our home team. You know the the the, uh, the field, the 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 stadium where they play, of course, is is in Missouri. I did not know that. Yes. Oh, yeah. And of course, we lost the St. Louis Cardinals. Yes, the football team. But if we have the, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick. Be happy to stick with the Chiefs. They're doing fine. Well, I was for the Chief because I'm have a very negative attitude toward New Orleans. <laughs> you you, you just like, take a look. You don't at like the you, you don't two. like the Saints, huh? I <laughs> know uh, I have. No understanding of the Saints. They may all be nice guys, uh-huh. but I don't like the city. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, they're uh, uh, they're at the height they're at the height of the uh, Mardi Gras right now. This is this is after all this is Shrove Tuesday, Fat Tuesday as they call it. Yep, and tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and Ash, Ash Wednesday. Wednesday. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So that's going to be interesting to have that on the same day. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be probably doing an Ash Wednesday theme tomorrow night uh, uh, for the Wednesday Lawn Gospel and then see what is available for Thursday. Uh-huh. But if uh, you could go ahead with stanza three, please. Okay. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill, they shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will, he can harm us none, he's judged, the deed is done, one little word can fell him. Yeah, that's a great, one little that is word. a great verse. That brings to mind all sorts of. Uh, you, you remember how Luther said uh, at his uh, uh, when he made his stand at, at Worms. Uh, isn't that where he said, uh, even if even if there was a, a devil for every tile on the rooftops, it's not going to keep me away from making my stand. Yes, he was very strong there. Yes, and says you know the Bible. Alone is the word of God. And that's what a lot of people don't understand today. A lot of people try and convince someone to be a Christian by giving them what they consider to be evidence. 
Yes. But there is no evidence for what we believe. Right. Because faith isn't based on evidence. What is faith based on? It's the things, it's based on what we cannot see. So how is it based? It's based Where on the promises of, uh, promises of Christ, his, his own word and promise. I would say it comes strictly from the Holy Spirit. Exactly right. Yeah, it's only it only comes from the Holy Spirit. That's right. Our faith—it's a gift, and, and that's why—and that's why often you know the world people say, "Well, why don't they understand? Why don't they believe?" They just don't get it. They don't—you uh, know—they're not exposed to the the gospel, which uh, of course is the the means by which the Holy Spirit works and brings people to faith, and uh, they just don't—they just don't get it. And when they are exposed to the gospel, they think it is myth or yes. foolishness. Re remember what Paul said about the difference between the Jew and the Greek? Yeah, let's see. He said uh, the, uh, let's see. The Jew rejects the gospel because it is ridiculous that somebody died on a cross and saved their sin. And the Greek rejects the gospel because it is foolishness. Right. It's not a philosophy they understand. But we preach That's Christ crucified. But we preach Christ crucified. Yes. It is a ridiculous teaching because when we say Christ crucified, we're talking about God dying. And many people think that God cannot die. But he did take on the ability to die when he was incarnated. That's right, in that the flesh. Uh, Jesus entered the human flesh for the purpose yeah. of dying. Uh, God, God actually died on that cross. If you say anything less than that, you're denying that Jesus was God. We had a double sign at our church, both sides. And the one side for Christmas, I had written, he was born in order to die. Yes. Yes. That got people talking on Sunday when they saw it. Yeah. I remember a Christmas card. That. I remember a Christmas card that we used one year where it had uh, baby infant-sized feet footprints on the card and they were uh and they were they were also had little bloody nail prints on these little infant footprints wow so that was that, good that little it oh i got a lot of response from that that you, you know it, the the and and sometimes you'll see pictures some of these old pictures will show the nativity and they'll show the manger and in the background the beams of the stable will cross in the form of a cross yes yes the cross is never far behind okay stanza 4 please yes the word they still shall let remain, nor any thanks have for it. He's by our side upon the plain with his good gifts and spirit. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Though these all be gone, our victory 
has been won. The kingdom ours remaineth. Tom, I think that's my favorite stanza. Yeah, Tom, you know, the previous stanza, I meant to ask you this. What do you, one little word can fell Satan. He's judged the deed is done. One little word can fell him. What what is your what is your opinion on that one little word that can fell him? I always think of the word be gone. Yeah. Or I've I've got I've got one too. I'm baptized. Those are three words. Well, <laughs> it's virtually one word, baptized. You know that that's often yeah. that's often how Martin Luther would uh would defy yeah. the devil. Be gone Satan for I'm baptized. Yes, and you said it in the present tense. A lot of people get confused. They say I was baptized. No. You are baptized. That's right. That Which baptism is good our whole life long. You're uh, already a relative of Jesus. He's your brother. God is your father. And the Holy Spirit is your comforter. And the sins that we commit today, or even on our last dying day, are washed away already in that baptism. Exactly. Which means that heaven is your home. Not only to come, but also here on earth. That's what it means, that his with good gifts and spirit, even if they take our life, goods, fame, child, and wife, though these all be gone, our victory still has been won. For the kingdom ours remaineth. And what is the kingdom? Life and salvation. Uh the Holy Christian Holy Church. Christian Church. The Holy Christian Church, right. Well, thank you very much. I'm not sure we ever did a Mighty Fortress, but I think it has some great points with emphasis on the devil. Moreover, than in Psalm 46. Excellent. Have a, ble have a blessed Lent, Tom. You too. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.